sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. It is that time of Saturday morning. Time for green and growing. Good morning. Happy New Year's Eve. Glad you're joining me for the show. I hope you've had a relaxing week. So many people with the week off. But i got to give mad props to the radio staff that is here day after day over the holidays, covering the shifts 24-7, making everything work around here. So glad you're tuning in. Hope you have big plans. Hope you have plans to stay safe this evening, whether you're going to the Peach Drop, whether you're headed to Mercedes-Benz to watch the dogs defeat the Buckeyes. It's going to be a really good night. It's going to be a busy night in Metro Atlanta. So if you can avoid the city, that might be a good idea. Uh, But we have traffic for you, too, around the clock, 24-7, We have a traffic reporter in the traffic center to guide you around town and some of the biggest delays. You'll also see some delays on the south side again today with holiday travel. A lot of folks leaving town. 75 South, you know, it gets pretty crowded up through Henry County. But yesterday afternoon, northbound was tough, too. So a lot to be doing in the landscape and just with houseplants and tidying up the house, right? After Christmas, you take all the decorations down and everything goes back to just looking bare um, and a little sad. So that's a time to consider some houseplants, and keeping care of the ones that you've got, whether it's repotting them, making sure the soil still has some nutrient, nutritious value to it. So if you repot things and add some fresh soil, that's going to make those houseplants really, really happy. Rotating them, too, making sure that they're not leaning more toward one direction. You know, the brightest window in the house, you're equally rotating the pot about 180 degrees so that the plant stands up straight or grows a little more symmetrical, right? Uh, fertilizer, as I mentioned, People really, in talking to to folks that are so intimidated by gardening or even just having houseplants and they, you know, the easy way out, I've got a brown thumb, I can't keep anything alive. The easiest thing to do when you're thinking about watering your houseplants, it's not necessarily a, oh, this is a plant that I water every Wednesday, you know, just because that's the day that helps me remember to do it and keeps me honest. You just stick your finger in the soil. That's it. That's all you got to do. Stick your finger in the soil. See if right up to your knuckle comes back a little wet or not. And if the soil is totally dry, that's when the plant needs a drink of water. And there are some plants, too, that benefit from actually drying out in between waterings instead of that soil staying consistently moist, right? So that's something you definitely want to learn about when you purchase the house plants. But... uh, Doing that, cutting off the dead stuff too. Once the leaves are dead, they're not going to come back. There's there's no hope for them. So go ahead and trim off any of the dead things. Uh, when you go to repot, check the roots too. Make sure the roots aren't spo- uh, spiraling around the pot because that's telling you it's going to become root bound and it just can't take up the nutrients and put on new growth as well if it's like that. So a lot of things to think about when you have house plants, but keeping it common sense as well, right? So 404-872-0750 is the number if you want to call in and you have any questions or anything like that. So getting to know the houseplants, like I said, some may like drying out in between waterings. Some really need to stay kind of consistently wet a little bit. So it's crucial to know the needs of the plants that you have. And first of all, when you buy them from a nursery, you're making sure you're getting the right plant for the right place, right? If you've got a dark office with no window Uh, no natural light, you're definitely going to want to buy a low-light plant that actually doesn't need all of that sunlight. But if you have a bright, sunny window, eastern-facing, 
Um, that's going to be good for a highlight plant, you know, and, and the tropical things that really need a lot of sun to thrive. Sometimes the leaves even change color. So first you have to know that. You have to pick it out from the right part of the nursery, knowing the space that you're going to put that plant. Um, think about the plants that fall into different categories of watering, right? Because that is the next most important thing, getting the sunlight that it needs and, and the light requirements, but also the water too. So something that likes evenly moist soil, doesn't like to dry out in between waterings, I've got a maidenhair fern. And if I let that maidenhair fern, it's tiny, it's smaller, but if I let it dry out, it does start to brown a little bit. The the little leaves start to brown a little bit. So that's something that you want to keep um, consistently moist, a prayer plant and a poinsettia too. And we talked about over the holidays, the poinsettia, hopefully you still have them and they look good. The dog's tail or the cat hadn't knocked them over yet, but you've taken them out of that foil wrapper because every time you go to water at the base of the soil level or the top of the soil level, the base of the plant, all that water is just collecting down in the foil. And so it's going to keep the soil a little too wet, um, but consistently watering that there at the top of the soil. Now, some that like the top inch of soil to dry out, think about your dumb cane, uh, pothos, which is so easy to do if you're going to really try your hand at a new house plant. Uh, pothos is going to be good. And this makes sense. The ones where the soil dries out in between waterings, succulents, different kind of cacti, uh, succulents, string of pearls, a jade plant, aloes, uh, calanchoe or calancho, however you choose to say it, um, a hoya. Wow, if you are late getting someone a Christmas gift, a Hoya plant's going to be really, really cool. And an air plant, right? So those are in the little terrariums that they don't necessarily have to have soil. So those dry out in between waterings, and they can be just fine. They can tolerate it just fine. So that's something to think about with your house plants. Like I said, if you just are sad, Christmas is over, and the house is so bare, and you're going to think about house plants, but a lot to do in the landscape as well. This is kind of recovery mode, right? Where we're coming back from that really cold Christmas and you're still kind of doing an inventory of everything outside. I had one or two flowers on my hellebores, on my Lenten roses, which I have planted in the exact same conditions that hostas thrive. So if you've got hostas and, you know, they die back, there's nothing left of them right now. You wouldn't even have ever known they were there. But uh, Lenten rose hellebores are going to stay green for you all year round. And a couple of mine had started putting off new flowers. So the cold got the flowers for sure, but the plants still look pretty sturdy. Um, but hopefully you covered the things that were tender, but you remembered to take the cover off too in between. And I think I made the mistake. I did use a bed sheet and I did cover the bed of uh, broccoli plants. I had about seven broccoli plants that I covered, but I left it on for two straight days. And the weight of it getting almost icy and crunchy. I mean, the bed sheet was stiff because of the moisture. So by the time I took it off, I think that was... One day too long. I should have gone down there during the day, taken it off, even though it was really cold during the day. It was only 20 degrees. Let that come off and then put it back on at night or gotten a clean sheet that wasn't stiff and frozen. Um, so the broccoli plants aren't looking too good, but I'm still not. I'm not going to pull anything up yet, and, I, and I'm not going to fret. If you're seeing some dead limbs or something on some of your things, um, it doesn't mean the plants are gone or the roots are going to be so much more vigorous than what you would think. So give those things a chance to put on new growth in the spring and see how they rebound uh, from the cold weather. But something, like I said, with houseplants too, if you have a dead leaf, um, if, if there are you know dead blades coming up from bulbs and things like that, that's not going to come back. But you can only hope that everything is going to re-energize from the root system itself. So give it some time, but cut away dead branches, cut away broken things. Uh, take an inventory of your trees. You know, we had the guys from Premier Tree Solutions chop my tree here 
not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, saying that look up this time of year. Now that you have the winter silhouette of the trees, there's not leaves obstructing your view. Um, I've seen a lot of branches come down from that cold and the the wind we had a week ago. So you really need to make sure that everything's safe for your family to be outside in the yard. None of those limbs look like they're precariously hanging. Um, They're not just completely rotted and dead and broken. You may want to think about trying to take care of that for sure before it creates a bigger problem. 404-872-0750 is the number. We'll go right to the phones. How about that? We'll talk to Keith from Calhoun. Good morning, Keith. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you, Ashley? I am great. Happy New Year, my friend. Good. Hey, I'd like to uh, transplant some daffodils from my ancestors' old home place and, and gift them to my mother, and I want to know when is the right time of year to do that. I would do it right after they're finished blooming. So can you wait through the spring and oh, be sure. able to do them then, or do they need to be done now? Oh, no, any any time. It's, it's been on my mind for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to be so easy to dig up for you, for sure. But just make sure that when you do dig them up and you're going to transplant them, that you plant them back at the right depth. You know, they really do like being planted a little more shallowly. Okay. Um, but as long as you can, what what needs to happen is keeping the leaves on there. So even once the flowers are done, come March, April, whatever, leave the leaves. Don't cut them off. So when you dig up the bulbs, leave all the foliage on there because that gets the sunlight that then stores the energy back down to the bulb. And believe it or not, it already kicks over the cycle like a battery as early as April or May to re-energize for the next spring. It's already trying to do that. So it's going to be a little more stress trying to bloom next year being transplanted. So the way you can help it is just leaving the leaves on there. That's great information. I certainly appreciate it. Well, Happy New Year. That was simple. Thank you so much, Keith. Have a good day. You too. I love that. I love the fact that you've got plants in different landscapes. I've got plants in my friends' landscapes. Anytime I go over to somebody's house, I always kind of do a walk through their yard. They'll ask me questions and things like that. And I always see something that I want. I'm like, hmm. I could take that plant from you. I could take a cutting from that plant. And I was just talking to my neighbor, uh, who's a Cherokee County Master Gardener, the other day, and he has all the stuff he wants to share with me. And I'm like, bring it. I love that. I, I love trying to take things from other landscapes, transplant, especially if it's something sentimental from grandma's yard or a plant that you know your mom really cared about or really liked before you're going to move and sell off real estate. You can take some things with you, sure, if they have sentimental value, absolutely. 404-872-0750. So coming up on the show today, I've got a little bit of a mix. Yes, I am live here with DeMarco and Ann and Charles Kinney. We so appreciate Charles joining us early this morning. I'm going to do a little bit of a mix of some throwbacks, some flashbacks from the last few months. I was on a roll the end of the year. My outdoor expert series uh, through the end of Thanksgiving and the beginning of December just one right after the other interviews with some of my really good friends and experts in their fields and was able to bring you that good information. So I really liked a lot of those interviews. So coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, my conversation again with Christy Bryant, uh, owner of Speaking for the Trees and a certified arborist. We talked a lot about the, the growing pains of the city of Atlanta and all of the construction and what that means for the trees and the forests. We love being a city in the trees, right? But there are a lot of guidelines, more than you think, that when contractors come in and builders come in, things that they have to follow based on the county they're building in or the city ordinances uh, in the city that they're in. So Christy gave us some really good insight on that. So you'll hear that. We've got some garden resolutions from some familiar voices, voices that you know and voices that you trust. And hopefully they'll serve as some inspiration for you, things that you want to you get back out there in 2023. You want to try new stuff in the garden. So we'll hear from that. 
and a scam that I don't want you to be taken by either. This time of year, as you're looking to tidy things up and prepare for the spring, so you got to stay tuned. 404-872-0750. We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing. Happy New Year's Eve on WSB. If the rain could hold off today until about noon, that would be great. I got a tennis match at 10 o'clock, so I don't want it to rain. It looks like it's going to, though. Yeah, we've got uh, scattered afternoon showers on the radar today. High of 65, though, low of 48, and then back to partly cloudy skies and highs in the mid-60s going into Sunday, first day of the new year, and Monday as well. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. I kind of started off giving you some tips about surveying the landscape, looking at the freeze damage, uh, taking care of the house plants. But here's three more. Number one, keep compost piles moist for decomposition to continue. Even though it's been cold, they should be staying warm as all of that good organic material is breaking down. Depending on your container for the compost, uh, you might need to keep it turned. You might need to keep it wet with the hose a little bit. Uh, if you've got it in a container, you know, be shoveling around, moving it around. Number two, fertilize. Apply liquid root stimulator to newly planted trees and shrubs, maybe monthly for about the first year. Feed pansies right now, dianthus, and other winter annuals that could use a boost. Water-soluble plant food each time you water them. I hope your pansies made it. Uh, Number three, top dress unused vegetable beds. Now is a good time to do that. Add two to four inches of composted manure, even shredded leaves. We kept telling you in the fall, save those leaves. They're going to come in handy. Uh, And get future asparagus beds ready if you're inspired to do that like I am. Heavy applications of compost and fertilizer. And according to the Cherokee County Master Gardeners, you can plant crowns now as long as the soil's not frozen. And it shouldn't be. 404-872-0750. Back out to the phones. Karen's calling from Indiana this morning. Karen, hey there. Welcome south. Good morning. Really glad you're listening. I love your show. Thank you. That's awesome. How do you listen? On the radio. Okay. Are you AM 750? Yes. That is amazing. And then when does the signal go away? Is it after the sunrise or does it kind of stay with you? Oh, it stays. It's great. Well, I'm very glad you called. What you got going on? I went to a workshop at Purdue University Extension mm-hmm. about pruning trees and bushes. And the horticulturalist said, do not ever top a tree if you have to take off branches that are injured by wind or snow because the weight of the snow breaks things down. Mm-hmm. Fine, you need to prune the damage. But don't top a tree. If you're going to top a tree, you might as well cut it down and plant a new one because it will die soon. And then if you have a bush like a forsythia bush, uh, prune that on a three-year cycle. Take out one-third of the branches after they flower, and then the next year take out one-third of the branches after they flower and so on because flowering shrubs blossom on second year growth only. Yes, that's some good info from Purdue Extension. I agree with all of that. Yeah, a very good rule of thumb for pruning is never remove more than a third. You don't want to stress the plant. You don't want it to look bare and scraggly either. Um, And topping trees, yeah, I mean really right plant, right place. The stuff that's meant to grow 60, 70, 80 feet tall needs to be left alone. If the health is just that bad and failing that much, you're right. 
whole tree needs to be taken out. Karen, I want you to call more. You are my first and favorite listener from Indiana. I think that's incredible. Happy New Year to you. I hope you're not dealing with a whole lot of snow. You certainly get it colder up there than we do here. Uh, 404-872-0750. Christy Bryant coming up with some advice when we return on Greeny Growing. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Back to your calls in just a few minutes. 404-872-0750 here with you live in studio until 9 a.m. And it's a regular Saturday for a little bit. Dave Baker will start at 9 with Home Fix It Show, of course. But you got UGA Bulldogs pregame. All of that beginning at 4 because kickoff is at 8 for the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Uh, we're facing the Ohio State Buckeyes, in case you haven't heard. And I think we're going to have a big win in downtown Atlanta today, so it's nice to have that uh, home field advantage, so to speak, for the Bulldogs today. But it's a big college game day for sure. Um, so an earlier conversation just a month or two ago with my friend Christy Bryant, owner of Speaking for the Trees, I had concerns of all of the construction and all of the progress being made in the city, but what that means for the tree canopy, for the city, um, how to really hold builders and contractors accountable. You know, you have to remove all these trees, but then what replaces it? You know, so Christy's got some great info on that. We had a good conversation. And I love having you on the show. Yay! No, I love you. You're you're so much fun. And Your you are too. Is so much fun. Like you introduced me to some of the Georgia Arborist folks, and I've been along for some of your events. You introduced me to the Marietta Tree Keepers. Like you are well connected, girl. I love what I do. So it's all easy. The tree industry is seriously the tightest, most well connected community ever. I mean, it's just you walk into a tree event and you feel love. Mm-hmm. I agree. And you were recent president of the Georgia Arborist Association, and you used to work with Gunnison, and now you have gone off on your own. You've been the owner now of Speaking for the Trees for a couple of years. Uh, three years now. Three years. So what made you go from tree removal company to now you are literally saving trees? So just that, um, saving trees. While taking apart and dismantling a, a tree with cranes and chainsaws and, and all of the nets <laughs> and bolts of the man glitter and all the sawdust flying around, that was so cool, and I loved all of it. And sometimes I really miss that. But at the end of the day, I'm an Atlanta girl. I love my city. I love that we're the city in the forest. But by God, somebody had to get passionate about saving some trees. And so that's why I did it. I just, I just felt like there was something more that I could do in order to keep trees around instead of just being the one that bids them taking them down. Right. And and that's why I have you on the show today because of a conversation on the phone you and I had about a month ago. And you literally just started telling me about your day. And I'm like, whoa, wait. Hold on, you're on to something here. I was recently talking to the Garden Club down in Peachtree City and kind of went through, you know, why this is a good time of year to plant trees and establish them in your landscape. And a couple of things from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, it's proposed that one large tree can produce enough supply of oxygen for up to four people in a day. And they help absorb more than 48 pounds of carbon dioxide, which we obviously shouldn't breathe in. I mean, the list is forever long, Christy, about the benefits of trees. We're going to get into the work that you do um, as owner of Speaking for the Trees. But it's important that you understand and kind of explain to folks why tree ordinances are in place from local governments, city municipalities, and all of that. Tree ordinances are a hot-button subject. Um, It kind of unfortunately runs the political 
side. Um, it's right in the middle because it is saying, hey, homeowner, hey, property owner, your tree is not yours. Your tree is ours. Um, so it very much comes from a background of tree is a community asset. But then a lot of people are upset because, oh, so the community gets to enjoy my tree, but I get to pay $10,000 to remove it wow. or, you know, that kind of thing. So that becomes the problem. So is is the tree that is in your front yard yours or is it the community's? And um, I would say that it's pretty evident across the country in urban areas all over from California to Georgia, there are tree ordinances protecting specifically mature trees. Well, think about it. I mean, you just moved out of literally downtown Marietta and all of these cities have now these very lively, productive economic growth opportunity kind of downtown areas. And I think people like the feel of, A, a little bit of the history behind those, whether those cities are 100 years old, 200 years old, but also maintaining some of the heritage and things. And landscape goes along with that just as well as buildings. Yeah. I mean, if you don't believe in the power of a tree, go and look at some of the names. My, you know, look at the names of neighborhoods. We, my boyfriend and I always make fun because we're like, oh, look, look at the oaks. They're none. Um, they took them all out <laughs> right? Um, and named it the oaks, you know, but um, – <laughs> If you look at logos, how many logos are trees? How many logos are oaks? So we all know and we all love and we all respect trees. But then when we're actually the one having to deal with it, it gets a little like, wait, that's not fair. You t- you're going to tell me I can't remove a tree from my property? Yeah, because it's not just your tree. And if yeah. you don't believe me, have your neighbor clear cut their yard and then talk to me about your electricity bill the next summer. Oh, right. Or the stormwater runoff. All of a sudden, your backyard is flooding, and it wasn't flooding before. you got to choose either either it is a community asset or it is your asset. Cities that are mindful of this, Christy, like the Arbor Day Foundation does that Tree City USA where they recognize green communities and all mm-hmm. of that. I think a lot of the cities around Metro Atlanta are proud to have that association. I think so. Um, the Georgia Tree Council does a great job with the Tree City USA, and um, it, it does mean something. to. If you don't know about the program, look into it. If your city's not, they should be one. But that is one of the one of the requirements for being a tree city is that the municipality have some kind of a tree ordinance on the books. So you as a business owner, you understand a lot of the ordinances in the different cities and the different counties that you do work for across Metro Atlanta. And correct me if I'm wrong, here we're getting into what you do. Uh, you kind of could serve as a liaison, the relationships that you've got between those municipalities and say builders or homeowners. You are the tree expert that comes in and what do you do? Let's give the example of, you know, a new builder grading for a townhome community or building two McMansions or something like that. Where do you come in? So say that we are going to, I really desperately am a homeowner and I want to build a house in Brookhaven. And I've bought this lot and it has an old rundown house on it. Uh, the number one first thing I have to do is I need to be on that property and I need to look at those trees and I need to see who's good and who's bad. We need to know what's an invasive, what trees are invasive species and what's a beautiful oak. We need to know what we have before we start the process. So once we know what we have, then we can kind of help with getting the permits to remove the bad trees, if you were, so that we can look at the site as a whole unit and say, okay, so if we've got three bad trees on the left side, why don't we scoot the house kind of over to that side of the property so that we can conserve that big, beautiful, amazing white oak over there on the right side of the house? And then it starts into looking and seeing, um, well, honestly, what the density is, because most municipalities have a required minimum density. 
And so, so many trees per how square many foot trees? or something. So a canopy can have a point value um, or it can be inches based on diameter of trees. So, for example, if uh, Brookhaven's 120 minimum inches per acre, if you have two 60-inch trees, there you go. then you've already made up your density and you're not going to have to replace a bunch of trees. But what if they're bad trees? If you don't have an arborist involved from the very beginning, you could be working around a bad tree and not know it until you've already removed a really good one. See, and I've always had a curiosity about this, Christy, because my dad is in multifamily construction and has been for decades as a construction superintendent. And as a kid, I was concerned about all the land they'd have to clear to build apartment complexes. And I mean, he never gave me the exact details and he's worked in different states, but kind of telling me, yeah, you know, for every tree we remove, eventually they're going to have to plant X number to make up for that. But it even goes deeper, like you said. I mean, you doing a tree inventory is what y'all call it on a property or something like that, you are measuring the caliper of the trees, looking at the canopy, looking at the age, all of that goes into a factor to satisfy those ordinances, right? Right, correct. And get this, even big, huge commercial sites, we go out and we count the specimen trees because that money, the developer pays that money directly into a tree bank, into that municipality's tree bank to deal with tree conservation and that kind of thing. So, for example, there was an Amazon warehouse um, in a metro Atlanta county that ended up paying a million dollars to that tree bank in that county because they removed that many trees. Now, you ask yourself, why? Well, if you're going to remove 80 acres of trees from my county, guess what my county now has to deal with? There's going to be stormwater mitigation. There's going to be greenhouse gases. There's going to be um, the EPA is going to come and they're going to test my air. And all of a sudden that stuff, that air near there is not going to be cleansed anymore. So it does cost the municipality money when we remove trees. This is just a hypothetical. Would a large company like that get some kind of rebate for the new trees that they plant on the side or it's not going to really do, work They do, but well. I mean, it doesn't, you can't take a two inch tree and pretend that it replaces a 30 inch sure. period end of subject. Yeah. And all of the tree research is showing that a mature tree canopy is where our health is. It's where our happiness is. That's where carbon sequestering happens. It is not in the two inch trees. And I love that we're replacing our canopy, but we have got to do more to conserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to get those historic trees back. Yes. Old magnolias and old oaks. And one of my oaks. very good friend, Arborist, who I adore and, and respect, is like, no, we need to be writing soil ordinances. Because if we conserve the soil, then the tree isn't even a subject. We, you know, and that's a good thought. I mean, yeah. trees live in the soil. How do you then get involved with a builder? Who hires you? How do you come on the scene before any land is ever touched? Uh, well, my business has become word of mouth. Okay. Um, when I was with Gunnison, I started the plant healthcare division inside of Gunnison Tree. I was able to do that because we had so many builders that we did tree removals for. I was like, hey, why aren't we tapping into this? So I, then I said, hey, let me start writing your prescriptions. What is a tree prescription? I actually write tree prescriptions. That's cool. <laughs> um, so basically, I go out and I look at the, the size, species, and condition of the tree, and I decide what needs to happen to make this tree survive construction. Um, 90% of people do not understand that the most important part of the tree is the roots and that in our clay soils, the roots are only in the top six to eight inches of soil. Mm -hmm. So if you go and drive your bobcat across my roots, we're going to destroy that tree. And people don't understand that. 
Christy Bryant, owner of Speaking for the Trees, and we're talking about really interesting tree ordinances in the cities, how you get involved with tree removal, tree prescriptions, and all of that kind of thing. Christy's going to come right back with us with some thoughts uh, for homeowners, a message for homeowners right here. Stay tuned. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Kind of a cozy 55 degrees in Midtown Atlanta right now, and you hear Channel 2 Action News Chief Meteorologist Brad Nitz giving you the update. Yeah, scattered afternoon showers on and off, but drying out in the evening, a high of 65 today. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow for the first day of 2023, and a high of 63. With my friend Christy Bryant, I've been wanting to have you back for a long, long time. You've done work on the show previously, and when you were telling me about your day-to-day of your job on the phone like a month ago. I was just so intrigued. I thought this has to go on the show so that people understand. You just said the whole state is under construction. There is not one county or one highway you can drive on right now that something is not being built. Great economically, not so good for our woodland creatures, not so good for our native insect populations. As a homeowner, whether it's going to be at my front door or not, why should I care? It affects us for bunches of ways. If you don't believe that a mature tree canopy is directly related to human health, it's a couple of Google steps, and you can read research after research. Harvard, Princeton, um, University of Oregon did a 25-year study showing that people that lived in a mature tree canopied neighborhood were 5% healthier, had 5% better grades, and had made 5% better money than people in the exact same demographic neighborhood with small young trees. Period. So tree ordinances are absolutely important. Tree ordinances also, interestingly, are very important in protecting you from your neighbor's construction. Oh. So say that you live in Cherokee County, and unless you're building a multifamily or over one acre, you don't have to be involved with an arborist at all. So say that you're going to build a house, your next-door neighbor's building a brand-new house on a half-acre lot, and right before your grandfather died, he planted this amazing tree in the back and it's this magnolia and everybody loves this magnolia and it makes us think of granddad every time and your neighbor wants to put a pool back there and their construction impacts your magnolia and it kills it oh no it takes two years two to three years for a tree to die of construction depending on the size of the tree i mean we're talking christy not the tree itself but say the roots were disturbed 12 feet away from that magnolia. Correct. That is a slow process. You Correct. Said over two yes. years before I it, would tell there's any damage. And then it is never the tree doesn't just die. It's something comes in and takes it out. It's attacked by beetles. So people are like, the beetles killed my tree. I'm like, your beetles wouldn't have been near your tree if somebody had paid attention during the construction process. Trees send stress trees and pheromones into the environment that call in the insects that kill them off. It Ambrosia works perfect beetles. In a fo- it works perfect in a forest. Doesn't work so well in our urban backyards. You know, just if you're going to do construction, if your neighbor's going to do construction, if you're concerned about the loss of our tree canopy, please get on the phone and talk to your city council, your your county people. You know, it, it you can have control over how strict an ordinance is. You know, we've talked about today how they run a, they run the gamut. I mean, one tree ordinance looks completely different from Hateville to East Point to Atlanta, and the cities are basically all connected. Yeah. But the tree ordinances are very different. So don't all get scared of having a tree ordinance. Remember that they can be written in a way that protects you. So get involved in your local government. Get involved in tree ordinances. Get involved in the tree industry. Christy, well, speaking of the tree industry, you make it very proud here in Georgia. How can folks reach out and find you? 
My website, speakingfortrees.com. You can find me on Facebook or you can just give me a call at 770-823-5374. And let's take a look at your trees. I love to get people excited about trees. One of my favorite things is meeting you and your dog in your front yard, teaching you about trees, teaching you what kind of trees you have, teaching you proper tree care, and leaving knowing that you're going to be so excited that you're going to go tell your neighbors too. Christy, I commend you for the work you do. Thank you for coming in and being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And if you love Christy's energy like I do and have for years now, I think she and I are going to put together kind of an opportunity. And this is something I want to do in 2023, have more opportunities with all of you, the listeners to the program, maybe workshops, classes, all of that kind of thing, tours uh, that we can enjoy together and learn together because I'm still very much in the learning process of all of this And I learned from being around other gardeners and passionate people who are inspiring. So uh, Christy and I are going to try to get together around mid-February. I'll have more details later of a pruning class, perhaps. Um, Some tips that she and others will give you for pruning in the middle of February. And I'm hoping to host that right here at the WSB Radio Studios. That would be a really good time. Um, I got a great group of listeners together back in the fall to take a tour of the Cox Arboretum. Uh, with Mr. Tom Cox in Canton. And we had such a great time. And I thought, I need more of this. I need more togetherness with everybody and doing those kinds of things. So we'll think about that. Uh, Follow me on the Facebook page to stay posted on details for that event. Uh, Search Facebook for Green and Growing WSB. And also, if you're not on Facebook, keep up to date with things going on on the website. And this is just finally starting to come back around. You know, a lot of organizations did not have classes or opportunities or things uh, coming into the holiday season, right? But now we're starting to pick back up. And you heard Christy talking about trees. Planting a tree is so important. So there's going to be opportunities coming up in January with the Marietta Tree Keepers uh, to do a tree planting. Trees Atlanta is going to have a lot of opportunities. And I know they always have a big volunteer day around the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday as well. So visit the website. If you're not on Facebook, wsbradio.com slash that backslash, that little thing facing the the right, <laughs> green and growing. So wsbradio.com backslash green and growing, and you'll be able to get details there of uh, green and growing events, whether it's events that I'm hosting or I'm a part of or other things going around uh, Metro Atlanta. You know, you want to stay posted about that. The Georgia Audubon Society is going to have a meeting to kick off the new year. The American Camellia Society Convention, that happens right here uh, in Georgia. It's going to actually be hosted in the Macon area. Lots of events coming up in winter and early spring uh, at the Atlanta Botanical Garden. Like I mentioned, opportunities through Trees Atlanta. Of course, Piedmont Park, always something to do in our beloved park in the city. And uh, extension programs, different counties and master gardener groups around town, how you can kind of stay informed with that. All right, we're going to talk to Cecil. Paul has a question. And good morning to everybody tuning in. We're headed to hour two of Green and Growing. Stay here. You're listening to 95.5 WSB.